is Pro Rata, where we take just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. Brought to you by Facebook. I'm Dan Permack. On today's show, dishing on a big telecom mega merger and what we actually remember from political debates. But first, Nike flags in Arizona. So the sneaker maker on Tuesday did yet another high dive into America's culture wars, pulling sales of a commemorative July 4th sneaker whose design included the so-called Betsy Ross flag. That's the early version of the Stars and Stripes with just 13 stars in a circle used to represent the 13 colonies present at the time of independence from Great Britain. Now, the decision reportedly came after concerns were first raised by former NFL quarterback and current Nike pitchman Colin Kaepernick, who believes the flag is a stark reminder of America's racist past in that slavery was still legal and ubiquitous at the time of its creation. It's also possible that Kaepernick was put off because the Betsy Ross flag over the past several years has been co-opted by various white supremacists and neo-Nazi groups in the U.S., uh, something Nike probably would have learned via a Google search had it done one. Anyway, Nike's decision has predictably become a cable news and social media firestorm, or maybe even a real firestorm, given the number of folks threatening to burn the company's apparel. But perhaps the most consequential reaction came in Arizona, where Republican Governor Doug Ducey said he would pull state tax incentives from a Nike manufacturing plant that's set to be built in the Phoenix suburb of Goodyear. This facility, which would have at least 505 full-time manufacturing jobs at an average salary of $48,000 per year, had been announced just one day earlier, this past Monday, and now those jobs could be at risk. The bottom line here, this isn't just about Twitter indignation and then moving on. It's about livelihoods. In 15 seconds, we'll go deeper with Arizona Republic reporter Maria Paletta. But first, this. Maybe you've noticed when you see an ad on Facebook, there's a tool inside the ad called Why Am I Seeing This Ad? To learn more about it, visit facebook.com slash about slash ads. We're joined now by Maria Paletta, an Arizona Republic reporter who has been covering the Nike situation in Arizona. So Maria, let's start with the current state of play here. Uh, Governor Ducey says he's pulling the million dollars in state funding incentives, but Goodyear's mayor says she's keeping the other two million in city tax incentive. So in short, is there going to be a factory? Well, that's the big question right now. We were trying to get answers, of course, all day from Nike yesterday. The company issued a statement saying that it was still committed to building a manufacturing plant uh, that would create 500-plus jobs. But it just sort of said somewhere in the U.S. It didn't confirm that it specifically applied to Arizona or that it applied to Goodyear. So we're waiting to see what happens with that. Does, I'm curious, the million dollars that Governor Ducey pulled or says he's going to pull, just this is an Arizona politics question, I guess, or is does he have the sole authority to do that or is there some legislative oversight or say in it? He does have authority to do that. Um, that is through a fund with the Arizona Commerce Authority that uh, includes some incentives designed to attract or keep businesses in situations like this. As you said, he doesn't have control, though, over the city incentives that Goodyear is providing. Uh, this facility, it only gets announced this past Monday, right? So really 24 hours later, Ducey announces he's pulling these. So is this something that, that folks had been anticipating for a while or at least thinking for a while we might get? Or, or was it really a complete surprise to the public, at least on Monday, that it was even happening? Well, first of all, you're right. It was actually less than 24 hours between when the city council and Goodyear approved the deal and when the governor put out these tweets. So it all moved pretty quickly. There was, of course, some awareness about this potential plant, but it was within hours of the deal actually being approved, which is when I think most members of the public realized that this was likely to actually happen. 
I mean, is it? I mean, I'm curious. It's surprising Nike hasn't said anything yet, right? Because we're, we're talking about a plant here where Nike itself has said that they would be putting well over a hundred million dollars of improvements to an existing building to get this thing done. It's a multi-billion-dollar corporation. One million dollars, it, it makes really good political headlines, but in when it comes to Nike, it, it's not even a rounding error. Right. So that's been one of the conversations that has been ongoing. There's a question of, you know, is it, even if this is something that the governor really cares about on a personal level, was the decision, you know, a calculated political move where he could score political points for saying these things and taking this action while still being pretty confident that Nike would come? Because you said it's, you know, a million dollars for Nike is a drop in the bucket. That said, I have had some analysts tell me companies when they're, they're investing in this way, want to feel welcomed by state officials, want to feel like they have a partnership going, and that this, of course, could affect that relationship. You know, you you, you wrote a piece this morning, I think, uh, talking about Ducey. Ducey's announcement came basically via tweet, right, which uh, a Trumpian thing to do. But the timing <laughs> was interesting. Ex explain to me, you, you think the timing of Ducey's tweet suggests who he was actually aiming them at, the audience? Correct. And I'll start by saying um, Governor Ducey and his administration and his communications team, they have a reputation. This is his second term. They've had a reputation for years for being very strategic, very, very media savvy, very message disciplined. So it's not something where, you know, as you said, it is a very President Trump move to put out a series of tweets in the middle of the night. But that's not usually a move that our governor makes. So, of course, it stood out. And the fact that he posted this string of tweets at 2 a.m. Arizona time, that, of course, made us Arizona constituents were probably not the intended audience. 2 a.m. is 5 a.m. Eastern, which is right in time for your cable news host, your Washington Post, New York Times reporters, Fox News, etc., and maybe the president as well. So I, I wonder, as part of that, I mean, is Ducey somebody who is considered to have national ambitions? He is, and that's been that's been the big question. What does he do after he's termed out in the next couple of years? There was a lot of speculation that when um, the late U.S. Senator John McCain, of course, from Arizona, died, that he might appoint himself to that seat or that he might run for it in the future. He said over and over, though, that he does not have legislative ambitions, that he has, quote, an executive personality. So I think it's much more likely that he would be seeking, for example, a cabinet position or something along those lines. Him and all 22 Democratic presidential candidates, executive, ex executive, right. executive. So, so I wonder, and now I'm going to ask you this really general, vague question. There's no way you can reasonably answer, but I'm going to ask it to you anyway, which is, you know, we're, we're 24 hours into this now since, since Ducey made a statement, since, you know, everybody learned that Nike had pulled the shoe. Uh, how, what is the general reaction from that populace, the folks who were theoretically asleep at 2 a.m.? Are people supportive of Ducey's move and are there Nike shoes, you know, burning in piles in the street? Or are people looking saying, wait a minute, this, this was 500 manufacturing jobs with decent pay. What are you doing? Well, it's really a mix. I will say that the governor, you know, of course, Arizona, while it's becoming more purple, is historically a red state. He has a lot of supporters, a lot of people who are happy about this, feel like it was great for him to stick it to Nike, say that our economy is fine without them if they're going to make this stupid move and everything's great. Then you have a lot of other folks who, as you said, are upset at the potential loss of these jobs. 
um, especially because, <clears throat> excuse me, especially because the governor has really built himself or painted himself as the jobs governor. One of his favorite lines is mocking California and California's governor for interfering too much in business dealings. And so there's this feeling that this is a little hypocritical for him to intervene, so to speak, you know, both in the city of Goodyear's affairs and in a company's affairs. Maria Pallada of the Arizona Republic, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks to Maria Paletta of the Arizona Republic. I should also note we invited Governor Ducey on the show, but he declined. My final two right after this. A lot of people want to know how their information is being used for online ads. That's why Facebook has a feature called Why Am I Seeing This Ad? But that's just the start. Learn more at facebook.com slash about slash ads. Now it's time for my final two. And first up is the ongoing merger saga between T-Mobile and Sprint. This is the $26 billion deal first announced in May 2018, which would reduce the number of major U.S. mobile carriers from four to three. But that's the sort of competition reduction that's reportedly raised the hackles of antitrust regulators at the Department of Justice. So enter Dish Networks, the satellite TV company that happens to own a big chunk of Spectrum, uh, or the airwaves that are kind of the mobile telecom industry's lifeblood. The idea here is that T-Mobile and Sprint would be allowed to merge, but only after selling enough services to Dish that it could become that fourth mobile carrier. Yes, this definitely seems to negate much of the merger's rationale, that cutting from four to three, except that T-Mobile and Sprint would restructure their sale in a way to ensure that Dish was very much a distant fourth, at least for now. It is a pretty elegant solution, but no one's yet clear on if it will come to fruition. And finally this morning, SurveyMonkey interviewed 1,000 viewers of last week's Democratic presidential debates and found that many of the most lasting takeaways were more about how the candidates physically appeared and behaved on stage uh, in terms of things like hand motions than about what they actually said. But when it comes to the words, prepared one-liners like pass the torch had lots of resonance, as did big policies condensed down into sound bites like free college. SurveyMonkey also showed that the one word viewers repeated most from the debate's first night was Spanish, as in the language several of the candidates spoke, and Harris, as in Kamala, was tops for night two. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producer, Terrence Malangone, have a great National Fried Clams Day, and we'll be back tomorrow with another Pro Rata Podcast.